Welcome to the Building Sustainably podcast, where we explore building high-performance, sustainable homes. Join us each episode to hear from top industry experts on green construction practices and innovative home designs with the core purpose of positively impacting people's lives. Here's your host, Tim O'Brien. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Building Sustainably with Tim O'Brien Homes. Today, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, selecting the right options and giving more thought as to how you're going to live in the home, what's important to you. And I want to share with you uh, my home building experience I've had. I've built two homes. I've lived in three. This I've built two of the three. And I want to share with you some of the things that I've discovered in my experience in building and not only uh, in my own personal home, but even with working with customers and our sales team as to what considerations that people normally don't think about when they're picking not only the floor plan, right? They're going to know that this is the right number of bedroom count. This is the great room, living room, kitchen layout, uh, eating area layout that I'm looking for. Um, There's so many other factors that one needs to give consideration to. And really, honestly, there's thousands of options. But what I've found over time is that there's a certain select group of, of options and considerations that sometimes get overlooked. And I want to share some of those with you today. So as I mentioned, as we get into um, the, the building process, you're looking, you're, you're going to make sure that you have the right floor plan with the right layout for your new home. And of course, on the right home site that you want to be in. And then you're going to go through the process of, you know, there, there, there's some standard options available, right? Whether it's a, a, a garage, a garage edition, third car garage, two and a half car garage, whether it's a, a bump to the, the dinette, there's some standardized things that we find most customers want, uh, will pick and make sense for the plan. It just is a little bit more personalization for, for our customers. But like I mentioned, there's so many other factors that one needs to consider that sometimes uh, get overlooked because there's, like I said, thousands of different options and things that you can do in the home. But I want to, my hope today is to kind of stimulate thought for you to ask questions of yourself, your sales team, your uh, interior designers through selections as to how you're going to live in the home. And so again, you're picking the right floor plan. Some of the things that I found um, really important, I'm going to start with more of a, a design related conversation and then work into the options is really the storage and organization. Um, there are a number of different things that you can do in the home plans. Now, of course, our home plans, you know, have standardized closets, uh, pantries, and and things like that. You want to give consideration, really, what do you use those storage bases? How do you use your current storage and how do you organize inside your current home? What might you be missing that you're looking for? Can this plan satisfy that um, that need? Uh, can you build in more storage and organization into the plan, whether that is in the uh, perimeter of the walls of the home, whether that might be in the lower level, that may be uh, in the basement, that is, that may be in a little bit of more of an addition, stretching out a certain room to give yourself more organization. Others have also looked at using the space, if you have it in the plan, above the garage, uh, garage attic storage trusses. I have that in in my house. I have a stairs actually that uh, go up. I love it. It's a place to put uh, all my seasonal related things. So all my snow shovels go up there and all my landscaping tools uh, go up there and, you know, they come out during the season when I need them. Um, There's a lot of other things that I don't use very often that are more kind of garage related. 
that I can store up there. There's so many different things that you can use, even holiday items. And so ask yourself those questions about storage and organization and, and, and what you feel you're going to need. Because we always find when we get into the home, we always wish we added some more storage or some area that we can place items, either whether it's greater level of space or just the way that we lay out shelving in the home. So those are questions you want to ask. And then what I really like about the organization concept is in our plans, we always include what we've defined as the rear foyer. You know, we don't like to call it a mudroom. We feel it's your main entrance to your home. Um, most of the time you enter your home through the garage, not necessarily through the front door. So we really want to focus on organization in that area. And what I really like about how we do our rear foyers is there's a number of different ways that you can lay out that space to provide the organization structure you might need. So whether that's a, a set of lockers or coat hooks or additional closet space, however you use um, the area that we're from where you walk into from the garage to your home. Uh, could be, again, a bigger closet, uh, a drop zone area, a place where you could put your keys and uh, charge a phone, uh, put the mail, uh, all the stuff that kind of keep things out of essentially the kitchen and keep things out of sight of your entertaining areas. So when you have guests over, they don't see, you know, the, the snow boots, the shoes and all of the coats. You're able to kind of tuck that away in that rear foyer area. It's an easy place for you to drop those items when you come in out of the garage. So you, you want to think through those factors and, and needs that you might have, uh, depending on the, the size of the household, uh, age of of children who's living in the household, things like that. If you have a pet, uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about pets uh, in a bit in this episode. But those are the kind of considerations in that area that I think are important. Because again, the other main areas of the house, right? Kitchen, master bath, the great room, eating area. Those are always the things that people really focus on the most. I'm trying to provide some other insight onto other areas that when you move into the home, you're thinking, gosh, you know what? I wish I would have thought of that or I wish I would have asked that question. The next place I want to go is um, thinking of laundry facilities. So Depending on the plan, um, if all of the bedrooms are on the same floor, let's just say a two-story uh, home plan where master bedrooms up with along with the the, uh, the secondary bedrooms, you're you're typically either your laundry may be up in that area already, or the laundry may be down below. The question is, uh, do you want the laundry on the same floor? We can design in additional laundry hookups for you. One of the ones options that I really like the most and I have in my own house is I live in a first floor master where we have the uh, obviously the main owner suite down below and on the main floor in the kids rooms up above. We actually have a, a washer and dryer in our closet and we absolutely love it. Um, you can do a number of different configurations. You can stack those units. You can put them side by side. You just want to create some space for it. But that's where all the, the dirty laundry goes, right? So if you can get the laundry as close to where uh, those clothes that you, after you wear throughout the day, those where those clothes ultimately end up going, that makes it just so much easier on your life and, and uh, less hauling of 
laundry up and downstairs. The other thing in split ranches where we might have, again, that owner suite on the far end of the home and then all of the bedrooms on the opposite end of the home, that's another opportunity to give consideration. Do you want a laundry facility uh, in your master or owner suite area or or do you want something even closer to the those secondary bedrooms? So those are some considerations that thinking through uh, the layout of your home is, you know, where do all those clothes go and what makes the most sense for you? Because, of course, minimizing the distance between where the dirty clothes lie to where they need to go to get washed. And then, of course, uh, eventually hung up. And that's one of the reasons why I really like the, having laundry facilities in the master closet, if indeed uh, that can work in your particular layout. The other thing to give consideration to is the garage size. Now, not just necessarily how to fit, you know, the number of cars you might have, but two cars, two car garage might just be fine. Or you might need a three car garage because of uh, maybe you have a, a boat or a trailer or a, a lawn mowing, a lawnmower that's big enough that, you know, really kind of needs its own unique space. One of the things to think about is how do you store stuff in your garage? So if you have a workbench or you have a large number of items outside of, you know, cars that you need storage for, um, kind of start to lay that out in your head of where might those things go in your particular plan. And one of the things that uh, sometimes people don't think about is the size of the garage door opening. So um, some may have taller vehicles that might need a taller garage door. I mean, our our garage door size is, is typically set up for a traditional uh, car or SUV. Um, in, in, but if you have a taller truck or a taller van, you might need a taller door. So you want to give consideration to that. Also, too, if you have a boat, sometimes uh, people want need a little bit more space to maneuver that boat into, say, the third car garage stall, which traditionally has a single door. You might even want a wider door on that particular uh, part of the garage. And if your community requires or you prefer a side entry garage where you have a, a turning radius going into the garage, another thing that we like to uh, give consideration to with our customers when we understand uh, the size of the vehicles or, the, or how they're going to use their garage is a wider two-car garage door. So our traditional door is 16 foot wide. You might even want to go with an 18 foot wide door. It gives you a little bit more clearance in that turn. So those are a couple different things to think about when you're selecting uh, an option for a garage. Again, whether it's a two and a half car, a three car, or even an oversized three car, what we have sometimes in some of our plans is what we call a tandem garage setting, where you actually will have space, uh, additional space behind uh, into the garage, which might be in front of your vehicle, where you could store maybe a smaller boat or some of those lawn mowing items that we talked about earlier, maybe even a car that you use uh, seasonally. Um, so those are some of the considerations that you want to take a look at when you're laying out kind of that garage. Again, some of the things we don't think about really right until we, until we move into the home. Um, views that you're looking for there, and depending on your home site, there might be certain uh, views that you want to capture in, in the space within your home. Uh, so windows, um, window selection, uh, whether uh, there's a there's a wall that may not have a window and you want to make sure that you get that sunset or sunrise view, uh, whether it's in your bedroom or some other area of the home, uh, give consideration to the orientation of your home site 
and your lot and where those rooms, the views that they might get. So that's another thing to kind of think through that you don't think about till you sometimes move into uh, the home. When we also want to think about kind of the future of what we're going to do with the home, we have a feel for when we move in, what we want, and we're typically like, this is great. This is exactly what I planned for. But lives change, right? Whether um, you want to finish a basement in the future, um, somebody's either moving into the home, multi-generational suites are something of consideration that you could actually have uh, have be convertible into different spaces. And so to set up some flexibility in your plan for that type of future change, that future modification, and some of the most common ones are in the lower level, in, in the basement, where you may not want know what you want for a finished basement, or you're just at the point where you're like, I'll do that later, maybe three or five years. Some of the infrastructure we would like you to, I think it's easier to set up during the home build than it is to try to put it in later. And that's typically related to any lower level bath or kitchen, any plumbing that you might feel you'll need in the future. We would like to lay that out in advance because once that concrete floor in the basement is poured, um, it gets, well, not only does it get expensive to, to modify, it gets messy to modify. And so if you have the opportunity to kind of give some foresight into where you see uh, that uh, kitchenette or kitchen uh, full bath, is it a full bath with a shower? Is it a ha- it's just a half bath? What are you thinking you might want to use that space? You don't have to design the entire space, but just compartmentalize where those plumbing items might go. And another consideration, too, is if you think at some point you might want to have a bedroom down below, and you don't have an exposed basement, we offer what we call a scape well, which allows you to, by code, to put a bedroom down in the basement and meet the requirements of code. In a full basement, if you don't have a secondary access out of the basement, and that uh, besides the basement stairs up to the main floor, you're not allowed to, to put a bedroom down there. So give some thought into, do you ever see if you have a full basement consideration again no uh, exposure condition if you have that full basement you think at some point you might want to put a bedroom down there um, it's a great idea to put that that scape well in because it's it's much more cost effective to do it when we're pouring the foundation than for you to come back dig up the yard cut it into the foundation wall um, we strongly encourage that for anyone who is considering uh, possibly having a bedroom down there but at sometimes we don't know if somebody's going to do that and you may not know up front but the other nice thing about the scape well in the basement is that even if you don't put a bedroom down there if you have a finished basement it can bring in more natural light into that finished basement space and that's another nice opportunity to give thought about but thinking through kind of how you might live in that lower level uh, and what you could do during the build to prepare for that future expansion that future finish, is another important consideration when you're when you're thinking through all of those other variables in building a home. The other option that I really like as it relates to the lower level is stairs from the garage to the basement. Um, I put that in my newer home and I absolutely love that feature. I can take stuff from the basement directly into the garage and vice versa rather than having to go through the finished space of the home. It is such a great feature for utility purpose um, uh, in, in any service that I might need from 
our mechanical contractors. I have a preventive maintenance program and I'd encourage everybody else to do the same. I can have the mechanical trade partners run right through the garage down directly down in the basement for anything that they need versus having them walk through the finished part of the home. The garage stairs, the basement does require you to add a little bit more space into your standard garage because obviously the garage stairs uh, do take up space. But it's a it's a it's an option that I found has been very valuable to me. And I didn't have it in the first home that I built. And I knew in that second home that I was going to build, I was going to make sure that those basement stairs from the garage to the basement that they got it. And, and that's another just another great feature, something, again, that we might not think about right up front. Um, we think about later after we start hauling stuff right from the garage to to the basement. So another great thing to give consideration to. Um, when you think about the finishes in your home and, and how you're going to live in the home, we really want to give consideration to, um, you know, the, the durability of products. So what I mean by that is if you have, say, for example, uh, dogs, I have two golden retrievers, um, you know, they're 70, 80 pound dogs, and obviously they have nails. And um, I made sure that we put in a, a more higher level of durability in the finishes in the home because i know in my last home uh they they were able to create a, a fair amount of scratches and things like that dents in the floor that uh, i wanted to make sure i didn't have this time so looking at like the wear layer on a floor uh tile uh obviously is one of the more most durable floors that you could put in of course there's an expense associated with that but it's something that you'd rather pay for up front than tear out and replace at a, at a future date. So think about the wear of how your home and how you in, are going to entertain in the home, um, kids, uh, pets, things like that. When you're when you're giving consideration to selecting, like, say, a flooring material. And the other thing is how much maintenance uh, are you willing to do? Um, there's some beautiful products out there that uh, require a little bit more maintenance than some other types of products. So making sure you understand what does it take to maintain the beauty of this particular product, especially uh, some of the more uncommon products, even like hardwood floors uh, require maintenance. Not a, not a lot, but they do require some level of care. And so making sure that you understand and communicate to our design team, how you plan to live in the home and asking the questions about the durability of, of the products based on your lifestyle and how you're going to live. Some products, uh, the, the, some people that live in, in, in their homes are very light, if you will, on terms of the use of the flooring. Uh, sometimes it's just a couple people living in the home and they don't uh, have a lot of uh, traffic throughout the home or again, pets, and they can get by with probably something that has less of a wear layer, but you want to make sure that you really understand the flooring side of the selections you're going to make to make sure that you get that right durable product that you need for the way that you live in your home and something that provides an expectation in terms of how, what maintenance you want to be do on it. Uh, structured wiring is another thing to give consideration to, especially in the work from home environment that we have right now, uh, making sure that you have Wi-Fi access in all parts of your home. So if you are building a bigger home or if you know that you have a fair amount of demand for Wi-Fi access, whether it's through the kids, uh, whether it's through your home office, whatever it may be, we can put 
repeaters, Wi-Fi repeaters in strategic locations in the home if we know that that is something that you might need in the future. Most people, the the, the central modem in, in the lower level or wherever it might be in the home works. It works just fine. Uh, but for some people, they really need that hard data line cable and they want to make sure that they there are no dead zones in, in any part of their home. So asking questions, making sure that you share the uh of, of how you're going to digitally connect to your home, we can make sure that we set you up for success there. Now, I want to get into some more of the, what I call common day um, ease of, of living in your home. And what I mean by that is things that you can set and forget, um, outlets, switches, exhaust fans, things like that. When you're thinking through your home, one of the things that I really like the most is in closets. And even in pantries, I call pantry closet, and even toilet rooms, like in the owner suite, we have a toilet room. I put the uh, motion sensor light switches in there. Um, they're so simple. As soon as you enter that space, light goes on. It stays on for, well, you could program it to stay on 30 seconds uh, after no motion. You can program it to stay on for five minutes after no motion, whatever you want. But what always bothers me is when I go into those spaces and those lights remain on. Doors closed, nobody's in it, and lights on. This is so easy. You walk in, light goes on, especially if you're carrying groceries into a pantry closet, um, and then you just walk out and the light's going to go off behind you. So there are spaces in your home where that could work. Again, closets are most uh, frequently where that is used. Um, even a, a toilet room uh, could even be the powder room, a half bath on your main floor. So think through that. The other piece that I like is bath fan timers. Uh, I'm a huge proponent of that for multiple reasons. One is making sure that the bath fan stays on for a period of time after the moisture source has been removed. So say showering is a classic example. I love to basically, before I enter the shower, is press the, the timer on the, on, the, on the exhaust bath fan, and then I let it run. Really, you typically want to let it run for another 15, 20 minutes, depending on how much uh, moisture you might generate and what kind of uh, uh, how much humidity might come out of that that shower space and to make sure that it really gets out of that the, that room that compartment whether it's a, an own separate shower space or whether it's the whole master bathroom whatever it might be but I don't have to worry about going back and turning it off it's going to turn off by itself so I put those in our kids bathrooms I've even put it in the in the powder room in the half bath uh, I've put them in anywhere that I have an exhaust fan because then I can just set it and forget it. And again, another thing of just trying to make life easier to reduce the amount of you know lights being left on in spaces that typically don't get a lot of use. So motion sensing light switches and those exhaust fan timers. Um, a few other things that we tend to find uh, our customers may not think about until after they move in is all of the seasonal related things that you might have, traditions that you might have where you have a, uh, you know, whether it's a holiday decoration uh, for Halloween, whether it's uh, Christmas, whether it's Easter, whatever it might be, there are certain areas that you want to have a certain decoration and it requires it to be plugged in. Um, outside lights on the home. So think through how you have used those in your current home and where you might want that specific outlet. Because the outlets that we put in the home are, usually, are laid out based on what electrical code is. 
if you want a specific outlet in a specific location, we want to make sure we get it in that specific location for you. So you're going to add that. The The other thing is the exterior outlets. If there's a lot of electrical uh, landscaping uh, tools that you use, uh, we want to make sure that we put more outlets on the outside of your home. And and that also qualifies for inside the garage. You, you know, there's there's typically one outlet in the garage for general service needs. But if you find that you, uh, you know, you have a workbench or you have other areas or, gosh, you know, even even an electric car, or you might have an electric vehicle in the, in the future, we can do a rough in for that or we can actually put the plug in. But give consideration to where you might need an outlet that's specific to the way that you live in the home. Um, we do a lot of outlets in soffits, exterior soffits for uh, holiday lights. And we can put a switch in the garage or we can have a switch in a closet, wherever you want that switch to turn on those lights. Those are other things that we want to make sure that you give consideration to. Um, outlets specifically in closets, sometimes uh, ironing boards, whether it's an ironing board, a cordless vacuum, um, in some cases, electronic safes nowadays uh, require a dedicated outlet. And if you know that you're going to have one, um, the traditional outlet is tied in with multiple outlets. If you have a specific appliance uh, that you want to put in a closet that draws uh, more electricity than just, a, say, a standard standalone light, uh, we want to make sure that we get a dedicated outlet for that. A lot of people like might want to put in a, a pizza oven in their pantry closet. Um, that requires a specific dedicated outlet because of the electrical draw it has. So those are some of the things in terms of like, where would you like an outlet or where would you need an outlet in the future? We want to make sure we get that in for you. Uh, exercise equipment, say the Peloton bike or any other high voltage uh, demand exercise equipment. We want to make sure that we get that in the straight, in the right place for you. Uh, if you do a lot of work from home, we you're usually going to have a printer and and obviously computers and and other charging things that you might need for that particular space. A traditional room outlet is tied to a bunch of other outlets. May not give you what you need from uh, an amperage draw from the from the voltage capacity that you need. So we might want to put in some dedicated outlets specifically in the areas where you may have that equipment. Same thing goes for the garage. If you use an air compressor or any other uh, piece of equipment, uh, table saw, anything like that that's going to have a pretty good demand for electrical power, we want to make sure that we get some dedicated outlets into that space. Um, lighting, additional lighting. So our traditional homes come with garage coach lights and right in a, in a, in a front door light. Uh, sometimes people like to have can lights up in the soffit areas, especially on a second floor. It gives some great lighting to the front elevation. You may want uh, a spotlight in the rear yard uh, for, for entertaining uh, off your deck, um, maybe even additional coach light off your deck. Again, thinking through kind of how you're going to live, in this case, outside the home and what is the, the scene that you would like to portray on your elevation or into the yard. Uh, whether that's seasonal or year-round, give consideration to that as well. We talked about the garage and we talked about attic storage. Other outlet considerations in the garage, if you have a freezer or a refrigerator, we talked about the powered equipment, but refrigerators and freezers we find are in garages. I have a stand-up freezer in our garage and a dedicated outlet for that 
because again of that draw you want something to make sure that it's dependable and, it, and it's not going to blow a, a fuse especially on a freezer or refrigerator right so we strongly encourage if you plan to have a freezer or a refrigerator or again any other big powered equipment in your in your garage we want a dedicated circuit we want to make sure that you get a dedicated circuit for that area entertaining areas like game rooms for example um, when if you have a pool table say that you want in a certain spot in your home um, give consideration of what it takes to maneuver around a pool table a standard pool cue can be up to six feet long five to six feet long Give consideration to how much space you're going to need for that uh, in, in the perimeter of that table area. I can tell you I made a mistake in our first house, but I didn't make a mistake in the second home. And I made sure I had enough space. Um, gaming areas, whether it's online gaming or whether it's board gaming, um, you know, what are you going to need in those space and lighting for those spaces? Uh, other entertaining things, entertainment things like TVs. So, do you need a, a chase? You, you, you know, if you're going to mount a TV on the wall, you don't want that cord coming down the wall to to the plug just below. We can put in a chase behind the wall so you can run all of your HDMI cables, all your power cords, and we actually work with a great low voltage uh, uh, trade partner, Digitech Digital, who does a wonderful job of laying out. Inter the, all of the low voltage in the home so we can make a connection there and make sure that you get everything you need for for entertainment every once in a while we have uh, customers who are very tall and uh, if indeed if that is the case uh, the standard height for a shower head may not work for them and so uh, if you have a preference for a taller shower head we want to make sure that we incorporate that into the design of your plan and we note that so uh, you don't have to crouch down every time you take a shower. If, so those are things, questions, again, that you kind of want to ask as you're uh, laying out the plan and giving consideration. If you would like to have more headroom uh, for a shower, not too tall, of course, uh, in terms of the head, because sometimes you've got to you know, directionalize it for yourself. But we want to make sure that that, too, indeed, is at the right height. So there's a typical height, which works for... 95% of the population, but some people want to make sure it's a little taller if indeed um, they are a, a, a tall individual. Um, we talked about the garage doors already in terms of the size of the garage doors and the turning radius if you're coming in to the garage, but there's, there's the height piece that we talked about, and there might even be another door. So whether it's a service door that you would like to have in that garage so you don't have to open the overhead door every time that you need to go outside, uh, whether it's on the back of the garage or in the front of the garage, that's a nice feature to add. Um, even for pets, um, as we segue into pets, pets, you might want to add, a, you could add another door, maybe even off the, the rear foyer to let a pet out. Or you add a door in, that, in, the, in the garage so you don't have to open the garage door every time to let your pet out. So those are other considerations. Stay in with pets, you know, um, not only where might be their food dishes and such, but if you would like to have a washing station, you know, uh, an area to, to potentially bathe your dog, uh, usually typically that's the rear foyer. In my case, I actually put one out in the garage. It works great. I love it. Um, and those are other considerations and things that you can, you can do. 
uh, for cats. Um, if you have a litter box, you might want to put a fan in that particular exhaust fan in that particular area to, to get out any odors that you might not like. Also, as it relates to exhaust fans, another thing that I forgot to mention about in the laundry is I also like to put an exhaust fan in the in the laundry area, uh, especially if it's in a closet. You know, now if it's in an open area like a like a in a, in its own like say the rear foyer or its own other laundry closet away from um, where uh, your your owner suite closet would be or any other area where where people might um, be hanging out. You would like to have uh, an exhaust fan in there. It's just it's a nice nice feature to have. I don't use it all the time, but it's a it's a great opportunity when you do need to use it to be able to turn it on. Um, so the last thing I want to hit on is is kind of comfort and sound. So sound insulation is something that we offer, and it's a it's a great product for reducing the amount of sound transmission in the home, especially in areas where you have entertaining space and uh, sleeping space. And so whether it is around the perimeter of, say, the owner's suite uh, or around bathrooms, um, those are areas where you might want to put some sound reducing insulation, depending, again, on the layout of your plan. So if there's things that are you feel and how you're going to live in the home that are going to be kind of loud areas and you want to create some greater level of separation between them and maybe quieter areas in the home, uh, sound reducing insulation is is an opportunity to do that, and there's many different types of product out there. Um, so it really depends on how quiet you want it, and uh, the 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 quality of the sound transmission that you're looking to deaden. We can get the right product in there for you. When it comes to comfort, everybody has got their own basis for comfort, and in our larger homes, we include uh, zoning for the heating, ventilating, and air conditioning system in the home. You might want to consider additional zoning uh, in your home as well. So one of the things that I have in my home is um, a zoning specifically for the owner's suite area, which covers the bedroom, the bathroom, and then we have a little sitting room off the back. And that way I can condition that space separate from the main area of the home. You might even, if you're knowing that you're going to be finishing the basement in the future, it'd be great to put in a rough in for zoning that separate from the remainder of the home. Uh, sometimes people will separate the first floor from the second floor or one half of the house from the other half of the home, giving consideration to how you're going to, again, live in the home and the comfort level that you're looking for. Adding the zones at that time during the build is more cost effective for you than trying to uh, piece those in afterwards. So with this conversation in this episode today, I hope it gave you some insight as to um, questions to ask of yourself and things to consider beyond the bigger items like the right floor plan, the right number of rooms and in uh, other major structural options or interior features that you're going to be doing in your selections process. There's all of these other things that can go into a home and what we find is and what we've labeled as kind of the most forgotten options are the things that I just reviewed with you, uh, especially as it relates to certain things that are unique to you, whether it's traditions, whether it's certain holiday lighting that you uh, like to have in your home, um, certain other exterior lighting features, interior comfort and uh, lighting features as well. Um, like I said, I'm a huge proponent of the uh, motion sensing light detectors in, in the house. I also have them in my garage as well, because that's another area that lights tend to be left on. Uh, but these are all 
little things that once you get into your home, you realize would have been really nice to have. And so we hope today's episode really gets you to think more about that, ask the right questions, share with us really what you're looking for. Because again, with the thousands of different options, it's going to be overwhelming to dive into every specific one. But if we get a better understanding of from you as how you live in your home and you get a better understanding of the questions to ask, it just makes the experience and your end home product so much more uh, the way that you want it and uh, and gives you that personalization that uh, you've been looking for and you would like in a, in a brand new home. Thank you for tuning in to the Building Sustainably podcast. For additional information, resources, and inspiration on how to build your new high-performance home, head over to timobrienhomes.com. Building for the way you live.